okay? If you have your Bibles today, you can turn to Numbers chapter 33. We're launching a brand new series, a brand new series entitled Join the Journey, okay? Join the Journey. Our faith in confidence in Jesus Christ is a journey. We're going to be talking about how to join that, why to join that, the benefits of joining that, okay, and being in uh, fellowship with God and in fellowship with God's kingdom. Amen. In Numbers chapter 33, in the word of God, the Bible says this, this is the route the Israelites followed, and I want to talk to you this morning about a great decision. That's the sermon title this morning, a great decision for all you note takers, a great decision, okay? It it says, this is the route the Israelites followed as they marched out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. It's good to have great leaders who will get you out of Egypt. Amen. It's good to have great leaders who will get you out of sin and get you out from under the thumb of the Pharaoh. Amen. And so this is what it's talking about. They're coming out of that space and at the Lord's direction. Somebody say at the Lord's direction. At the Lord's direction. Moses kept a written record of their progress. And these are the stages of their march identified by the different places where they stopped along the way. They set out from the city of Ramesses in early spring on the 15th day of the first month on the morning after after the first Passover celebration. You remember Passover where God told his children, I want you to put blood on the doorposts of your house because I'm sending the death angel through and everybody who's not been covered by the blood will have severe consequence. You remember the story of Passover. And so the people of God, they went and they did this and even Moses he shared with many of uh, uh, I believe this with many of the Egyptian people hey you need to do this so so the so the angel the death angel will pass over you okay anyways it moves on it says the people of Israel left defiantly amen you see that they left defiant when you leave the presence of the enemy you're going to leave defiantly I'm tired of him pushing me around. I'm tired of him bossing me around. I'm tired of him telling me what. I'm tired of living in slavery. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm getting out of here. And it says, they left defiantly in full view of all the Egyptians. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn sons, whom the Lord had killed the night before. The Lord had defeated the gods of Egypt that night with great acts of judgment. So Pastor Mike, what does all this mean? Well, we're going to talk about this in short order this morning, okay? What's it all mean? Well, I want to tell you the good news is that if you've ever made the decision to give your life to follow Jesus Christ, you have made the greatest decision that you could have ever made in the world, right there. That was it. That is it. And you may have attended a church service. You may have attended a premarital counseling session. That literally happened to me. I was doing a premarital counseling session with a couple, and the young man said, I want to receive Christ right now in this. I need, to, I need to make some things right with God right now in this session. So he got saved. How incredible is that? How powerful is that, right? But in a premarital counseling session, a summer camp, a retreat, a conference where you responded to a call to come to an altar and to receive Jesus Christ or to pray a prayer to receive Jesus Christ. You might have attended a life team, all right, or a Sunday school class and met Jesus Christ right 
there. You might have called on a friend just on the telephone and said, hey, listen, I need to know more about what God is trying to do in my heart, trying to do in my life. And your friend explained a little bit more with you. And perhaps that friend prayed with you to receive Jesus Christ. And however you came to this decision, it was the right one. Somebody say a good amen right there. It was the right decision. And I've never had somebody come to me and say to me, Pastor Mike, I wish I had never committed my life to Christ. I've never heard someone say that. I've never, I've never heard somebody say, you know what, God has really just wrecked my life. I'm serving God. I'm serving his king. He's really wrecked my life. I really wish I wouldn't have started serving God. Hello? I've never heard that. I've never, I've yet to hear that. I've yet to hear that. And the decision to follow Jesus is the greatest, most life-changing decision that you will ever make. Do you understand? I mean, do you understand where you stood before you decided to follow Christ and where you stand today after making that decision? I mean, from slavery to freedom. Come on, somebody. Amen. Things have now changed, and God sees you differently, and ultimately you see God differently. Somebody say a good amen right there. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, the scripture talks about what happened to us. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And so this decision to follow Christ starts you on a journey, a route which lasts a lifetime. And that decision, you've entered a new way of living. You're leaving the past behind you. You're moving toward a future bright with hope and promise, listen to me, for an eternity. Right? Not just here on this earth. Point number two. Point number two, the second thing that has happened, okay, or the, or the first part of what, is, is what, has, what had happened is that you were a sinner. You were a sinner. Amen? Your journey is remarkably similar to another journey spoken of in the Bible. The journey of God's people from Egypt to the promised land. Amen? God is bringing us out of sin to a place called heaven. He was taking the Israelites out of Egypt into a place called the promised land. You remember. And so they're trying to get to the promised land. I'm trying to get to heaven. Come on, somebody. I can't work myself there. I can't earn myself there. There's nothing that I can do to really get to that space and to that place but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're getting getting to that. I'm getting a little in front of my notes, and that's okay. But for many years, the people of Israel lived in Egypt. Think about this. Having gone there in a time of famine... And as time passed, their numbers increased greatly, and the Egyptian rulers became concerned about their loyalty. Thus began a number of years of oppression for God's people in Egypt. And finally, God raised up a deliverer. Amen? Finally, God raised up a deliverer named Moses. Listen to me. Finally, in this generation, God raised up a deliverer named Isis. God raised up a deliverer named Mary. God raised up a deliverer named Mark. Come on, somebody, help me. Help me preach. He raised up a deliverer named Brian. He raised up a deliverer named Chase. And he said, hey, I'm going to raise these people up because they've got work to do. They've got, uh, they've got something that is on their heart and upon their life. And I need, I need to raise up some deliverers, praise God. And Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, okay? And so our goal is to lead people out of sin. Lead people out of separation from God and into right relationship with God. So I need you to see that parallel. And so Moses, here he is, he leads the people out, and he's trying to free them from the terrible oppression of Pharaoh. That's what sin feels like. Oppression. Depression. 
fortresses of sin, right? It just captivates you and holds you there. And being a sinner means that you had failed to do what God required of you in order to be in right relationship with Him. In other words, you had failed to fulfill God's law, just like all of us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It tells us, everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. God's glorious standard is perfection. The only one that could ever meet that need is Jesus Christ. Amen. There is no other ruler. There is no other teacher. There is no other person. There is no other life beyond that. Amen. It's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. Not Jesus Christ and all these other things. Amen. Only one name given among men whereby we must be saved, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so as we've broken this, we've broken these laws and we were born into sin. But Pastor Mike, I'm not that bad. You were born into sin. Amen? You're born into it. And sin includes those things you do that are not acceptable to God as well as your natural tendency to walk in disobedience to God. You, you, you realize you, you didn't have to teach your children how to say no. Huh? You didn't have to teach your kids how to be defiant. They just did it. Hey, please don't walk on that ledge. Please don't. Please stop walking on the ledge. Please, I'm begging you, stop walking on the ledge. And then when they fall and you comfort them and you rescue them, you might not say I told you so, but you're thinking it in your mind. I told you, I told you 42 times as a matter of fact. Right? And God, watch this, we, we have a, a, a natural tendency to walk in disobedience to God. And when you came to Christ, you left the Egypt of sin. Amen? You left the Egypt of oppression. You left the Egypt of despair. You left that and you began a journey to the promised land or in our case, you began a journey toward heaven. Praise God. You were delivered. And set free from the grasp of sin. Somebody say, praise God, I'm thankful for that, right? And no longer are you a slave of Pharaoh, but you become a beloved child of God most high. Powerful, powerful stuff. Point number three. As a sinner, you could not please God. We could not please God. Romans chapter 10, excuse me, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous. Not even one. Doesn't matter how good you think her husband is. Ask his wife. I promise you she'll tell you he is not righteous. No, not one. Amen. He'll let you know. She'll let you know, right? And it says this in verse 11. Think about this. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away and all have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Wow, I mean... Most of us aren't looking at this space, you know, in in between our relationship with God and I. And we live our lives without ever considering what God might expect from us. Amen? What does he expect? We're going to get there. All right? But you probably discovered that even when you tried to live right and please God that you couldn't. Why? Because it's impossible without the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's impossible. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 18. I won't read all the verses, but I want to highlight something that Scripture is teaching us right here. None of us like to hear that our case is hopeless. 
I remember a time my wife and I, we went in to buy a new car. We were so excited it was going to be our first new car. And the, uh, we, went to different, we went to different dealerships. I won't talk bad about dealerships or any of them. But we went to some different dealerships and they said this, you can't afford that car. You, you remember this, baby? You remember that? And so they said, here's what you can afford. And I was like, the devil is a liar. Come on. They put us in a car. They put us in a car not much bigger than this monitor here for a family of four. You know, you get going down the highway. It was brand new. I was so grateful for that little Nissan Sentra. Man, a little silver, a little Nissan Sentra. So cute, right? We get in that thing, and we're driving down the highway, and you get behind a, a, an 18-wheeler, and it's like this the whole time. You're just like, you know. And that was just sitting still. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you hate to see it when you're driving, right? It was, it was mad. It was mad. And so we, we look at this space, and, and, and we see this. And So look at Scripture. Look at Romans chapter 3, chapter three verse 10 through 18. So we don't like to hear that our case is hopeless. We, we want there to be an outcome, a good outcome. Okay, we could afford a brand new car, okay, but one that didn't have a lot of bells and whistles, as they say today. You guys know what I'm doing right here? This is the window crank. That's right. This is how we used to roll windows down right here. And that was our new car. Come on. Amen. Let's move on. (laughs) But Scripture proves it to us using a parade of our own oracles to show that the whole world is guilty before God. Right here, Romans chapter 10. Okay, you see this right here. uh, Excuse me, Romans chapter 3. I keep saying 10, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 18. It uses six body parts to illustrate this point. Now watch this. The throat is an open grave. Verse 13. There is deceit on their tongues. There is venom under their lips. The mouth is full of cursing. Verse 14. Verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood. And verse 18, there's no fear of God before their eyes. And so we literally use every body part, our minds, our hearts to rebel against the word and the will of God. And scripture could not be clearer that no one is seeking God. Verse 11, right? All of us stand under condemnation and all of us need salvation. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you need salvation. You need salvation. Amen. You need it. You need it. If you don't have it yet, you've not made that great decision, you need it. You need it, praise God. Now, point number four, we were dead in our sins. We were dead, the scripture says, in our sin. Even though God loved you, you were separated from him. Amen? We were separated from him. And because God is totally good and totally perfect and totally just and totally faithful, he cannot allow sin in his presence. Am I making sense? So until you met Christ... You were not able to enter into God's presence. Even in the Old Testament, they talked about how the priests, they had to be emptied of all their sin. Or when they went into the Holy of Holies to make a blood sacrifice for the individual that they're making, that if they would go in with sin in their heart and sin in their life, they would be killed in the presence of God. Now, we don't have it that bad. Some of us walked into God's house this morning, sin in our heart. Sin in our mouth, sin in our eyes. Come on, somebody, can you hear what I'm saying? And God didn't kill us dead. 
okay? He's given us a greater covenant and a better covenant in it through Jesus Christ. Praise God. And now because of Christ's shed blood, he's become, the, he's become our passage to the Father. In the past, we lived for the world and its attractions. We're going to get there, Romans 3, verse 20 through, 22 through 24, amen. We lived a, 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 for its attractions under the direct influence of Satan. And the spirit of rebellion controlled your life through strong desires of lust and greed and ambition. Amen. And this spirit cannot and will not ever gain God's approval. So every person under this influence must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where you were until you met Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as we read this scripture together, Romans chapter 3, verse 22, it says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You can't place your faith in a church or a denomination or a person, hello, except for Jesus Christ. Amen. That's where we place our faith. I don't care if you've had a, had a membership to a church for 92 years, okay? It makes no difference on that other side. Praise God. What makes the difference is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Scripture says right here. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Look at this right here, verse 24. Yet God, in his what? In his grace. Not in his laws. Huh? Not in all of these other rules and standards and commands. Are you seeing this? It says God, yet God, in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Somebody say praise God this morning. All right, point number five. I got nine this morning. We're, we're moving fast. Because God loves you so much, he still deals with your heart. God is still dealing with you because he loves you. Because he would what? He would that none would perish but that all would come to repentance. Amen. Because God loves us so much, he deals with our heart through the influence of the Holy Spirit, no matter how hard-hearted you become. You ever heard people get real hard-hearted? I'm never going to God's house again. You, you may be in God's house this morning having said that before. I'm never going to God's house again. I'm never going to sit under another preacher or pastor or leader. I'm never going to do this. But something happened. It's the Spirit of God. Something happened that, that, that probably helped you and, and encouraged you along, even in your desperation, even though you were empty, even though you were in need of God. And God, by His Holy Spirit, was there to draw you back unto Himself. He was there to encourage you and say, hey, come back to the foot of the cross. Come back to knowing my Son, Jesus Christ. Because that changes everything. Amen. And the cross, watch this, answers all of our problems. All of our problems. The cross answers all of our problems. For through it, we are justified freely by God's grace. And I love this. Justification is a legal concept, meaning that in God's courtroom, he pronounced us innocent of all charges. And you know you're guilty. 
You know you're guilty. I mean, you almost want to speak up and tell folks that you're guilty. It's so bad. You ever done that? Amen. I remember one time, my grandmother, my, my cousin, she had carved her name in my grandmother's wall and blamed it on my cousin and I. We're boys. She's a girl. Why would I, I would carve my name in the wall. Amen. Why would I carve your name in the wall? I want people to know Michael has been here. I don't care that you've been. Can you hear what I'm saying? And the conviction got so strong. She started crying. We was like, there it is. There it is. Listen, we had already gotten in trouble. We had already gotten spanked. Amen. You, you can mess with grandma, but you don't mess with grandpa. Come on, somebody help me. Grandpa's going to put the law down. And grandpa put the law, and then he had to apologize to us. And he was like, hey, listen, you guys got a spanking, that's on credit. Okay, you was, I know you're going to get bad again and do something else. You, you can remind me of this moment. Remind me that I owe you one. Okay. We tried to use it several times, which is, uh, which anyways. God's dropped all the charges. Amen. He pronounced us innocent. And watch this. He took Jesus' perfect record and credited it to our account. Amen. Praise God. Point number six. If you had refused God's love, if you had refused to accept God's love. Now listen, this is strong. This is powerful. And God's love and, and, and refuse God's offer of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Then you would have remained in your sin. And you still continue to remain separated from God. And if you die separated from God, you would have been condemned to an eternity without God in a place the Bible calls hell. Oh, here he goes. Hell, fire, and brimstone. Here he comes. Listen, listen, listen. I'm just giving you the word. I'm giving you the truth of the word of God. There's a space that we don't want to go to. There's a place that I'm not interested in heading to. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. We're going we're to qualify it. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Do you see that? You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit. Look at this. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He's, he's at work in deception. He's at work in the oppression. He's at work in the addiction. He's at work in the unforgiveness. He's at work in the frustration. Come on, amen. And it says this in verse 3. All of us used to live that way and following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. We did what our bodies told us to do. We just walked that space out. Hey, I'm just going to do this. I don't care. What, what, what? You know, what, uh, what repercussion from my action am I going to have? What's, what's going to be the problem? What's the issue? It says we used to live like this. This was our very nature. We were subject, look at this, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But aren't you thankful for his love? Aren't you thankful for his mercy? Aren't you thankful for the great decision that you made to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. So every person outside of Jesus Christ is spiritually dead. They are separated. 
They are alienated, Scripture says, from God. And the name of that graveyard is trespasses and sins. Can you hear me? And our situation in that cemetery was so grim that there was no way we could create or find a way of escape. Oh, somebody say, but Jesus. But Jesus, amen. Number seven, point number seven, really quick. What did it mean when you got saved? Okay. We often see people performing religious duties with the hope of gaining God's approval. Just doing good things, listen, just doing good things cannot please God. Just doing good things. I'm just trying to do good things. That doesn't please God. Amen? By itself, the act of responding to an altar call. Pastor Mike says, hey, if you want to receive Jesus, you want to come up to the front, you want to pray. Just by, just by that action doesn't save you. All right? The Bible says you got to confess it with your mouth. You have to believe it in your heart. Can you hear what I'm saying to you? And so that's the space where we walk into saving faith. Amen. And so the act of responding to the altar call after a sermon can't save you either. The redemption, look at this, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus released us from the spiritual bondage. Though the paying of the high price uh, was, was too high for us to pay. And that price is continually gaining interest. Amen. Continually gaining interest. But Jesus is the mercy seat. Somebody say, Jesus is the mercy seat. He's the mercy seat. He's the place of atonement. He provides forgiveness through his shed blood. And forgiveness always comes as a cost, and it costs Jesus his life. So point number eight. So Pastor Mike, if the preacher didn't save me, amen, and I can't earn it, what really happened? What, what really happened? Look at it in Scripture. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. God saved you by His grace when you believed. Right there in that moment. Right there in that moment. God saved you by His mercy. He saved you by His grace. He poured, he poured His Son's uh, shed blood over your life to forgive you of your sins and to remove them for all time. Come on, can you hear what I'm saying? To, I'm going to remove that from you. Amen. I'm going to throw that sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Amen. And so we see that space. And it says this, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Not a gift from a preacher. Not a gift from a church. Not a gift from your grandmother or a friend who's been praying for you. It's a gift from God. Salvation, verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. It's about the good things God has done for us. Amen. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Look at me. Look at me. I'm God's masterpiece. Look at you. You're God's masterpiece. You're a child of God. You're a son of God, a daughter of God. You are a masterpiece in the presence of God. Amen. I challenge my, I have to challenge myself every now and again. I'm a son of God. I don't deserve this treatment from the devil. Amen. You ever do it? Praise God. Okay. You should if you don't. All right. And it says this, we're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Watch this. So now we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He's got mission for your life. He's got calling for your life. He's got purpose for your life. Amen. Pastor Mike, but I'm older. 
God has mission for your life. God has calling for your life. God has pur- But Pastor Mike, I'm too young. God has mission for your life. God has calling for your life. God has purpose for your life. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's got purpose. It's got purpose. You were saved by grace. Favor that God gave you. Ooh, it was unmerited. It was undeserved. It was unearned. It was given freely. And that grace came to you through faith. And faith means, watch this, being totally convinced that something is true. I, you cannot tell me, Pastor Mike, you made a lot of mistakes in your life. I was saved at the age of 19 and I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. And you can't take that from me, I'm telling you. You can't take that space from me. Somebody can tell me, but you're not good enough. I know I'm not good enough. That's why God gave it to me in that altar call. He called me in that altar call. He laid me out on the ground in that altar call. Amen. I just kind of woke up from the, from, the, from the spirit of God like, what, what just happened? What just happened? It was the Spirit of God. Amen. And grace came to me. And in this case, it means that faith, that faith right there having the assurance that Christ paid for your sins. And when you firmly believed that it was through Christ alone that you could have, that you could have salvation, not by anything that you can do, there at that moment you experienced saving faith. Go ahead. That's all right. Give him a hand clap of praise. Before that, I had no grace, amen, in the presence of God. Before that, I had no favor on my heart or favor on my life with God. And that's what it says in Ephesians 3, verse 12, excuse me, 2, verse 12. It says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ, amen. I, I, don't, I no longer live that way. I live differently now. I'm connected to him like a vine to a branch. Can, can you hear what I'm saying? And apart, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But right here, he says, living apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Oh, but I'm so grateful for his hope. I'm so grateful for his love. I'm so grateful for his forgiveness and his mercy that's over my life. Amen. So thankful. And now, because of your faith in Christ, you presently have grace and are in God's favor. I'm one of God's favorites. People say, Pastor Mike, you shouldn't say that. Well, it's true. I'm one of God's favorites. He has favored me. He's put grace over my life. He's put mercy over my life. Come on. I was thinking last night we were having celebrating our, our, our granddaughter's second birthday, and I was just looking at my kids playing or running after each other, and they're shouting. They're excited about all these things that are going on in our lives and in our family. And I was just celebrating how good God is, how faithful he is, and how merciful he is, and how kind he is, and how generous he is, and how, how, how much he provides for our family. I was so grateful. I was out there shedding tears out in the sun. And you're like, hey, is something wrong with your eyes? Yeah, man, God is wrong with my eyes. He's just so good to me. He's so kind to me. Amen. Amen. And I lived in this world without God. I lived in this world without hope. And I'm so thankful to be on the other side of that. Living in hope, living with the presence of God and the power of God and the spirit of God in and over through my life. Come on, celebrate him this morning. Amen. I have faith. I've got favor. I presently have grace. I'm in God's favor. Now I can enter God's presence boldly. Amen. 
knowing that you have received mercy and forgiveness because God accepts you through the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our final point. Now, what is expected of you? What is, oh, okay. Okay, what's expected of me? Pastor Mike, you told me I can't can't do anything to earn it. I know that. I understand that. But I need you to see what Scripture says about this topic. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, therefore, verse 1, it says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. And then he goes on, he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults. I just wrote that part out. I just exited out of my Bible. I just drove a line through that because I don't like that part. Huh? He says, make allowance for each other's faults. How many of you guys know that person is getting way too much allowance? (laughs) Getting way too much allowance, bro. All right? He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Watch this. Because of your love. Amen. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And so with God's help, through the power of the Holy Spirit as the worship team comes, you are expected to live a life worthy of God's salvation, reflecting your new relationship with God. Your new life should be different from your old life. Now watch this. This is so good. If you allow the devil, if I allow the devil to have my future, then I make the pain of my past pointless. Amen? I make it all pointless. I make it all about me instead of about Christ and instead about, instead about God's love. And if I allow the devil to have that space in my life, then all that pain I went through is for nothing if I stop here. Amen? All that pain I went through means I cried for nothing. It means I got betrayed for nothing. It means I was abandoned for nothing. It means I was forgotten for nothing. It means I suffered loss for nothing. It means you went through heartache for nothing. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. All this agitation is going to give me some compensation. Amen? All this agitation is going to give me some compensation. So now I'm going to get paid in forgiveness. And I'm going to get paid in wisdom. And I'm going to get paid in fruitfulness. All this pain has got to pay me. Come on. It's going to pay me in strength and in skill. It's going to pay me in opportunity because the word says that those uh, those that sow in tears shall reap in joy. So all that pain is about to pay me. Come on somebody. Amen. It's about to pay me. We've got to conduct ourselves in a way that reflects our new status in Jesus Christ. And as you walk with Christ, you will learn humility. You will learn patience. You will learn love. You will learn forgiveness. Huh? You will learn these virtues. 
And we have a willingness to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we said yes to him, we've got a willingness. It's there. That willingness is there. That surrendered heart is there. And we'll learn to walk in unity and patience with other Christians, showing tolerance for others and seeking their well-being. I'm still seeking their well-being. And you'll continue to have a confidence, listen, that you're a child of God. You are a child of God. As our prayer team comes, you might say this morning, Pastor Mike, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord, and I don't know him as my Savior. Would you stand all over the building with me this morning? Pastor, I do not have the confidence that Jesus is my Savior. I do not have the confidence that God is my Father. I don't have that confidence, and I need to have that confidence today. Right now, I need that confidence. Amen. I need that confidence. You say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord. I don't know Him as my Savior, but I realize my imperfections are about to be radically changed by Christ's perfection. And I'm ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my King, as my Savior, as my Lord. If that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand? That's me, Pastor. I don't know Jesus as my Lord. I don't know Him as my Savior. I need to say yes to Him today. Today, right now. Just slip your hand up. That's me, Pastor. I don't want to miss you. Slip your hand up loud and proud. Make it bold. Say, hey, that's me, Pastor. I don't know Christ as my Lord. I don't know Him as my Savior. And I want His healing power. I want His saving grace in and over through my life. I want His favor on my life. Anybody this morning? Anybody this morning? God bless you. There's another group of people here that God sent me for this morning. You've been under that space of shame. You've been living in that space that I'm not good enough, and I'm not smart enough. I didn't grow up on the right side of the tracks kind of mindset. And I want to tell you this morning, you are a child of God. You're a son or a daughter of God. God and you need to live accordingly you need to live like his favor is all over you you need to live like his grace is all over you and if that's you this morning listen if that's you this morning I want you to come up I want you to find one of these prayer teams I want you to say hey listen that's me and I want you to pray for me I believe that God is going to move mountains in my heart God bless you young man I believe God's going to move mountains in my heart he's going to move mountains in my life listen you don't have to be good enough you don't have to be smart enough you don't have to be wise enough for God to utilize you he has called you and his grace is sufficient for you Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Pastor, that's me. Pastor, that's me. I need God. I need to come out of that place of guilt. I need to come out of that space of shame. I refuse to live under that curse any longer. I refuse it. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young man. Anyone else this morning? That's me, Pastor. That's me. I know God. He's calling me out. He's calling me out of Egypt. I'm tired of living under Pharaoh's thumb. I'm tired of living under Pharaoh's slavery. I'm tired of living in that space. God is going to rescue me and redeem me and restore me to right relationship with Him. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning? We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. I encourage you to worship with us. Stretch those hands this way and pray for these, will you? Stretch those hands this way and pray as we worship and lift up the name.